scriptures today. First is from Isaiah chapter 65. I'll be starting in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be full of gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall thou be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And now a gospel reading from the gospel of John, chapter 3, starting in verse 23. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem. Because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness, bear bear me witness, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who is the bride is not the bridegroom, or the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The prophet Isaiah writes this outrageous and unbelievable poem of a new heaven and a new earth. The old is gone and the new has come. Imagine this world of no weeping, nothing in your life to cry about, no distress, nothing in this world to stress you out. This is a dark time for Israel. They are uh, in captivity by this point. And Isaiah's vision is of a world that doesn't look at all like theirs. Where babies live. Where outrageous things like babies not living doesn't happen anymore. Where men don't die young, but they live their full lives. Injustice is gone. 
where good men live good lives and bad men live bad lives, where there's no reward for doing bad, where when you build a house, you live to inhabit it. When you get fruit from your, when you plant a vineyard, you get to eat of that vineyard. This is a, this is a writing to people in Israel who have been taken from their homes, who built homes, who built lives, who built vineyards that now somebody else was living in and they're forced to live somewhere else. This vision of building homes and living to an old age, planting of vineyards and surviving to enjoy the fruit. No more wolves, lions, serpents, no more evil, no more injustice. The weak, the lost, the troubled will be protected. This poem is outrageous. It's so different than our world that it's beyond our grasp to even think about what kind of world this would be, what kind of utopia this could be. It's beyond our grasp to even fathom. And the words were just as outrageous when they were spoken in the Old Testament. The prophets dreamed and cast a vision of a world where things would be right and things would be how they should be. But our world is so broken that we... We can't even start to wrap our minds around this kind of world. In fact, part of what the prophets are doing all in the Old Testament is casting vision of how this is not right. The world is not right. In fact, you're not right. And the prophets are trying to to light a fire under the fannies of these Israelites to say, let's go. Let's do something about this. Let's make the world a little different now. Let's make the world now a little bit more like the world that is to come. This long line of prophets ends up with John the Baptist. This crazy guy dressed in animal skins, kind of smelling funny, lives out in the wilderness, eats honey and weird guy. Crying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But when he meets Jesus as an adult, he's somehow related to Jesus. They're cousins of some kind. Um, When he he sees Jesus as an adult, he, he says, this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the kingdom of God that I've been saying is at hand. And we see in this text from John that later, just a little bit after this, John has not been arrested yet. He is eventually going to get arrested and beheaded. But he's still doing his work and Jesus is starting to do his own work. And and there's this struggle between his disciples and Jesus' disciples. And we we see this even later in Acts and in other places that that the, the disciples of John the Baptist have trouble moving over to being disciples of Jesus. But that's not because of anything John did. John looks and says, I'm not the groom. I'm the friend of the groom. He's the Christ. He must increase and I must de- decrease. John understood that his work as a prophet was coming to an end because the Messiah had finally come. Christmas is a time where we celebrate that the Messiah has come. But it's hard to do that, isn't it? Does anybody find it a little bit hard to get into Christmas? Like you just get busy. I know for me as a pastor, it's a busy time of the year. And if I'm not careful, this has happened to me early in my ministry. If I'm not careful, I can can go through Christmas and do all the stuff of Christmas, but miss out on really experiencing Christmas. And so I have to be very careful and I have to build some traditions as a family and I've got to slow myself down to make sure we get caught up, we get busy. And the economics of Christmas don't help us. There used to be this period leading up to Christmas called Advent, but now we have this period I think has replaced it called Black Friday. 
And Black Friday just keeps continuing. More and more stores were opened on Thanksgiving. You know, the stores weren't even as bad this year because there were over a billion dollars in sales online on Black Friday. It's crazy how much we spend. 22 million people shopped at Walmart on Thanksgiving night. 22 million. Now I'm going to make a confession. I was one of those 22 million. Uh, they had some movies for sale and we had a Walmart. That was a, after the kids went to bed, I, I took off and went to Walmart. And actually, it wasn't busy at all. It was less busy than normal at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, it wasn't really crazy, but I, earlier in the day, it was. It really was. Um, I, I guess I missed out on the most popular sale. Um, Walmart sold about 2.8 million towels. I didn't even see the towels. I feel like I really missed out on this big. They must have been gone by the time. Seriously, there were fights, violent outbursts, fisticuffs over these towels. Did you know this? So I was doing research on this last night, and I, and I digressed to about 20 minutes of watching videos of fights from Black Friday. It, it's a kind of a funny YouTube search, actually, with phones now. All kinds of people capture these ridiculous fights over dolls and towels. It's silly. I saw one in particular that was humorous that involved a stun gun. But So you're, there's these fights going on, fisticuffs and, and a stun gun. And you can almost barely pick out Silent Night playing in the background at the store. <laughs> Christmas, which should be a celebration that the Messiah has come and that all things are made right, has become a time of, of totally a different set of value systems. I mean, totally contrary to the way Christmas was meant to be. John's response is, he must increase, I must decrease. But, but the message of Christmas today is that I must increase. i got to get more, i got to have more, i got to have more stuff, i got to spend more, i got to have more debt, i got to have more stress. The busyness of Christmas is just exhausting. And here's the worst part. We're buying gifts for people, but I think often we buy lots instead of giving special Often, most of the gifts we get are meaningless. I think I can prove this. How many of you can remember something that you got for Christmas last year? Raise your hand. I got some people that are like, how many of you can remember everything you got for Christmas last year? Just Cameron. How many of you can remember anything you got for Christmas two years ago that you didn't buy yourself? Ooh, a couple, got a couple? That's not a big number. You, might, you probably have one or two things that stand out at a Christmas, but not very many. I can remember stuff I bought myself. <laughs> it's ridiculous, the stuff. Most of the stuff we don't even remember. Most of the stuff we throw away. We get these generic disposable gifts that scream, I haven't thought of you in a long time, but I still felt obligated to get you something. What kind of giving is that? Does that kind of giving draw you close? Does that kind of giving express love? Does that kind of giving draw you closer to Jesus? Or even remotely, is that inspired by giving of Jesus? Christmas is not your birthday. It's his birthday. 
All the while we lose sight of what Christmas is really about. We try to spend our way to peace and hope and joy and love. But every time we try to find these things at the mall, we move further away from the manger where Christ can actually give us those things. Now, I'm not saying that that getting stuff for Christmas is bad. I'm not saying that Black Friday is bad. I already confessed that I went out late that night. Money's not not the evil part. But the love of money, Paul says, is the root of all kinds of evil. Or Jesus says it this way. You can only have one master. You will either love the one or hate the, uh, and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. You cannot love God and money. And among all the times of the year, I feel like Christmas is the one time I feel most this tension. Between the way the world wants to value things and the way God wants us to value things. And so what's our way out? How do we deal with this? I want to make a suggestion to you. Maybe a way out of this cycle of of an exhausting Christmas is to remember Advent. Advent, I feel like I preach this every year, Advent has almost gotten totally lost. Did you know, did you know that the way traditionally churches did this was that for Advent you sang Advent hymns And then at Christmas, you moved over to Christmas carols. Christmas carols were not ever sung in December. It was actually the Christmas season that began at Christmas. Up until then, what you would sing is all kinds of expectation songs. Come thou long expected Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. O come, O come, Emmanuel. These are the kind of songs you would sing in expectation for Christmas. And so my, my sort of compromise here is that normally the first Sunday of Advent, I do Advent hymns. And then next Sunday, I sort of transition into more, some more Christmas carols, and then we're off. The problem with, with now is, if I wait and do it the traditional way, by the time you get to Christmas, you are sick of Christmas carols, right? Because we hear them all the time. But Advent was that period of expectation. In fact, in fact a lot of people would join the church on Christmas, the big time to join the church would be Christmas and Easter. And so there's this period before both of those holidays. For Easter, it's Lent. For Christmas, it's Advent, which is a time of, of preparation. Advent, the word literally means coming. It's from the Latin adventus. It, it, it has this sense of, of, of Jesus coming in several different ways. In the past, we celebrate that Jesus came, right? That's Christmas. We know. In the past tense, Jesus came. And we all kind of get that for Christmas. In the future tense, though, we expect that Jesus is coming. This is the sense of Advent that Isaiah brings to us. That that even though Jesus came and did some work, there's still more to be done. Jesus has paid the price for the world to be made right. But he hasn't come and redeemed and finished that yet. And we look forward to and we long for, come thou long expected Jesus. We identify with those those Israelites who are in captivity to say that the world is not right and something's going to be happening and we hope and pray that Jesus comes and does that soon. But it also means coming in the present tense. It's also a sense that John the Baptist gives us. We want Jesus now. That Jesus comes to each of us personally in our lives. And so the posture of Advent in the present tense is, He must increase, I must decrease. 
When we lose a grip, what we lose a grip on as we rush in to get presents is the sense of Jesus coming now, today. The problem with Black Friday crowding out Advent is that the present of the present presence gets lost in the presence. That's my really fancy way of saying it. Let me explain it. The present, the gift of God's present presence, His now coming and being with us, that's a gift. But it gets lost with all these other presents. It gets lost in all these other gifts. But Advent provides us a way to slow down and to think and to expect. Not just that Jesus' future coming, but that we want more of Jesus in our lives now. That's why we do the Advent candles. Because it's meant to be a sign that says, okay, one candle this week, one candle next week. And so we see this sort of countdown. When I was a kid, we used to have Advent calendars. Has anybody ever had an Advent calendar? There's sort of a countdown to Christmas where you could look at different things. You can make them where you get little gifts and candies and things. This is what Advent is meant to do for us. It has these theme words of peace, hope, joy, and love. You can see them on the, on the um, banners here on the wall. That we, we remember these things, that we long to have more of them in our lives. But that we can't buy our way to those things. We remember that only Jesus can give us peace and love and hope and joy. That's what we remember at Advent. And so here, here's some encouraging things to you. Here's some things I would say. If you want to live into this Advent and get out of this hustle and bustle of Christmas, let me give you a few pointers, a few suggestions. Number one, slow down and listen to different things. Slow down and listen to different things. I, um, I heard a story this week of a, of a naturalist who, who, with a friend of his, was walking around New York City, kind of in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the day. And the naturalist suddenly stops and grabs his friend and says, can you hear that cricket? And his friend says, what are you talking about? How do you hear a cricket in the middle of the street noise and all the people and hustle and bustle and around? And, he, and the man said, well, you hear what you're trained to hear. And he said, watch. And he pulled out a quarter and he flipped it in the air and it hit the sidewalk. And a ton of people stopped and looked around on the ground. You see and you hear what you are trained to see and hear. And the problem is that for Advent, we are trained and, and we are set up to hear and see things that don't really relate to Advent. And so it takes some work to train your ears a little differently. It trains... It takes a little bit of work to train your eyes to see Advent a little bit differently. Slow down and ponder. Take special time to read scriptures. I have a couple of devotionals available. You can find all kinds of stuff online. Start reading through different things. Slow down. Ponder. Number two, spend less. Shop slowly and wisely and carefully. And don't just spend, spend, spend. But spend carefully. Get the right gifts for the right people. Don't just buy a bunch of stuff. Like, like that's real careful and loving giving. In fact, I would encourage you to give more. What about more thoughtful gifts? What about instead of just buying somebody a sweater. If you wrote them a long letter about what that person means to you. Specific things and specific memories that have, that have stood out to you in their lives and had an impact on you. That, that letter will mean a lot more than a sweater. 
What about giving to a good cause in other people's, in somebody's name? I, I have, there's a sheet out here um, that has um, three great ministries to give to. These are ministries that I think highly of. There's plenty of ministries out there. I'm just trying to give you somewhere to start. Samaritan's Purse is one. It was started by Franklin Graham. We know them because they do Operation Christmas Child. We just did a, box, a bunch of boxes with them. But they do a ton of relief effort. They're very involved in the Philippines right now. Um, what about What about... Saying to somebody, you know what, I gave money to relief efforts in Philippines in your name. What about Compassion International? Compassion works with children all around the world that are in, in very poor and broken settings. You can sponsor a kid for a month, every month. It's a certain amount of money. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is now. Um, but you can sponsor a kid or you can do a one-time donation. But what, what if next year you decided to sponsor a kid and every month you were going to sponsor in somebody else's name? Wouldn't that be a cool gift? And with that money, those kids get to eat, they get to go to school, and they get to hear about Jesus. Oh, this is a really interesting uh, ministry called the International Justice Mission. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this ministry, but they are a human rights agency. And they, they pay and they raise money to support all kinds of lawyers and advocates around the world. So they break up drug trades. Um, they're very involved in um, uh, child slavery in breaking up those kind of bands, in sex slavery. You know, what, if, what if you decided that you were going to spend the money to give a donation to International Justice Mission, and you said to some of the people in your life, you say, you know what, I paid money to help break up a child sex slave uh, ring in India in your name. Wouldn't that be a really cool gift? Now, you may have some friends and family that will be like, well, that's neat, but what I really wanted was some towels. You know what? Those are friends and family you, you need to distance yourself from because they have some value systems that are not where yours should be. I think that's a, that's a great way. That's a great way. I think uh, coming to worship and being attentive in worship and paying attention to the colors and the advent wreath and to all the things that are going on. Pay attention to the hymns and the words of the songs. Really let yourself bask in this. And I've already mentioned this earlier in this service. There are a lot of people that struggle at Advent. A lot of people that need to hear this message of what Jesus has done for them. And you know what? There are a lot of people out there that don't normally come to church, but will consider coming on Christmas Eve. Will consider trying a church around this time of the year, when for some of them, their hope is failing. Who might there be in your life that you want to bring to church? Do you want to invite for Christmas Eve? My prayer for you is that you would really get into Advent, and that it might be a nice relief that you may decrease and that Christ may increase in your life. Let's pray. Our prayer is simple, Lord. Let us decrease and let you increase. Lord, it's going to be hard at this Christmas season because the culture does the opposite. So let us be rebels, conspirators, that you would receive the glory in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.